As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. latest episode of the shamrock i'm pete sampson joined as always by my co-host matt fortuna uh and after frankly a, a few weeks of having guests with excellent heads of hair we're uh pleased to welcome in former <laughs> clemson offensive lineman acc analyst eric mcclain uh eric thanks for making some time for us uh you look your hair looks stunning this morning as does uh really fits in with the shamrock Proud to have. I, I'm just trying to blend in, yeah. trying to do my thing, and uh, you know, go go under the radar, man. So I'm yeah. glad I'm fitting in here. Glad I'm fitting I, in. Well, yeah, Jordan Cornette, your your host, um, he got a haircut this week, which I didn't know he could do, and he got a fade. And I, I haven't reached out to him yet, but maybe you can for us and tell him he's uninvited from ever appearing on the Shamrock again until he uh he shaves it all off again. You know, Jordan always likes to remind people that he is bald by choice. And so now <laughs> oh, okay. you know, he has the boosy fade. And, you know, I don't know. It, it looks good. But, you know, I like my guy uh, clean and, and high and tight. It just looks yeah. better. To me. It, it was a little strange seeing him with some some stuff up top. Well, uh, before we hit record, I think we were trying to figure out, all right, the last time you came on the show, was it post-ACC championship game Notre Dame-Clemson or nope. post-double overtime uh, <laughs> Notre Dame win against Clemson? And I think we settled on it was, in fact, the double overtime win. So I think you're a recurring guest for whatever Notre Dame beats Clemson. Um, so I just you know start there. Like, big picture, what did you see on Saturday night? Um, it was, I think, a surprise to Matt and I being in the stadium that it played out that way. But what... What was sort of your your biggest picture takeaway from Saturday? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think total shock. Um, not necessarily that Notre Dame won, but just how you know, and, and the fact that you know those guys were able to absolutely dominate, you know, up front on the line of scrimmage. And and I went back and you know watched the tape. I don't know why I should have burned it and never <laughs> thought about it ever again. But it, it was fascinating to see really the the first play of the game. I mean, the Clemson defensive line is getting driven back you know, six yards downfield and just to run up the middle. And you're like, okay, you know, that, man, that was a little weird. And then it was just time and time and time again. And, you know, you have to give all the credit in the world to those running backs who obviously hitting the holes and, and having the vision to cut back when necessary. But that offensive line played out of their mind. And uh, it was fun to see, you know, big uglies doing their thing. And, and, you know, when you look at the, you know, just the defensive line and the caliber and, and 
I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, there's probably six guys that are going to be drafted on that Clemson defensive line. And and for Notre Dame just to have their way with it, it's great tape for them. I mean, they're, they're going to get drafted because of that game and, and to see what, what was able to happen there. Uh, the cutback lanes were, were just nuts. You know, there was no contain by Clemson. There was no, you know, fill. I think Clemson really missing those physical corners that they had a year ago. Um, and, and even by linebackers, it was an odd game. It really was. And, and just, you know, seeing things that I haven't seen from Clemson in a very long time uh, with just being undisciplined, missing tackles, and ultimately just not doing their job. And, and I understand, you know, listen, we're going into the fourth quarter. It's 14 to zero. Like the Clemson defense only gave up a touchdown, uh, but there was just so many different things within the game that you're just like, man, it feels like it's 100 to zero right now with the way the game is being played. Yeah, it's funny you say it because I just thought, again, watching it in real time, I know Pete felt the same way. Like, nothing felt fluky about it, right? Like, even at, right. at halftime, it's 14 nothing. Like, I could not picture a scenario where Clemson was going to get back into it, which I don't think I've ever felt that way before watching a, <laughs> a Davos Winnie coach team. I mean, I just can't, even post game, like, he he said, I, I wish I could say I saw it coming. I didn't. You, you know how coaches are after losses. They either have an excuse or they try to put a positive spin on it. This was as humbled as I've ever seen him. What do you, I mean, where do they go from here? Because again, this isn't, it's obviously a really good team. They're probably still going to win the ACC this year, but they've certainly dropped down a level or two from national title contention. Yeah. I mean, there, there's an interesting, you know, thing that's going to happen. You know, it, where do you go from here? How do you respond? How do you react? Is this something that ticks you off? Is it something that was very personal and we see that defensive line really surge? Because I think there is a bit of those guys reading the press clippings, those guys thinking that, you know, maybe they can just show up and be this dominant force. And that just quite hasn't happened. You know, I, when we looked at preseason and, you know, we're breaking the Clemson Tigers down, we're talking about this being one of the best defensive lines ever, not just at Clemson. I mean, of all time, when you look at the depth and the star power that they have, and there were signs early. I mean, I, I remember the Furman game, Coach Sweeney called some guys out by name, and I, I don't think he's done that too many times ever in his coaching career, and that was kind of like, oh, that that's weird. Maybe he's just trying to get some guys fired up, and then you, know, you see a Wake Forest game that Sam Hartman unstoppable and just lighting guys up. Florida State game, they rushed for over 200 yards. Haven't seen that, and then of course this one, a 260-yard output where it's all up front and to to challenge those guys in a whole new way. What does that look like? How do they respond? But I think even a, a bigger and more dramatic thing is, you know, what happens to quarterback, you know, because that is something where at the beginning of the season, after the Georgia tech game, I thought there was controversy. I thought that there was going to be some back and forth, some interesting things happen just because of, that was DJ's worst game to date. You know, that that season, obviously, he was under 50% passing, was not inspiring football at all. And then, of course, he turns it around and, and plays really well. And then just lightning strikes. And, and it's like, what just happened? Syracuse game, you know, four turnovers. This game, uninspiring to say the least with the way, you know, that he's running the offense. It, it'll be interesting to see. Coach Sweeney kind of said it. I think it was today. I'm not sure when this podcast comes out. It was Tuesday that he said, listen, you know, if something doesn't happen, we have to give somebody else a chance. If this doesn't get better, we have to give somebody else a chance. And I, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, DJ was playing so well, and then all of a sudden it blows up. So, Matt, there's going to be some really interesting things that happen these next couple of weeks before, you know, Clemson gets to the ACC championship to play maybe North Carolina. 
Uh, kind of get into some of the wonkiness. I mean, you're a, you love your offensive line play. And I was interested to like what you saw when you're watching Notre Dame's offensive line from their point of view in terms of like the variety of the run game. Cause I think a lot of times we think about like, Oh, run game. It's just like, you just pound the ball or you just run inside zone, which like Notre Dame did at Syracuse. They just were like, they didn't inside zone. Cause that's all they had to do. Right. But I thought that the variety that they used on Saturday night was unique. There was they they tried to get to the perimeter much more than they have most of the yeah. season. Like what what did you see when you watched the way Notre Dame's run game in its entirety fit together? Yeah, well, a lot of duo. You know, I think that yeah. that is their their favorite play. I mean, that they, they ran that time and time again. Which there, there's so many ways that you can disguise that so it looks like something else, but in in fact, it is you know a very similar play they were just moving guys off the ball. I mean, truly, mm-hmm. you see a guy taking a check step down, rock step back, and, I mean, he's lifting a guy off the ground. And, and anytime you do that, I mean, it's it's game over. Like, you, you're plowing guys backwards. And, you know, to see them how quickly and easily, you know, Notre Dame was climbing to the second level, getting their hands on those linebackers who are undersized. I mean, they're very fast and, you know, physical, but they're small. And, I mean, you've got a six six three ten guy. What are you going to do? I mean, there's just at the end of the day – human equation takes over and and that is what we saw there I, I loved what I did see from the the running backs when it looked like kind of a, a gut play kind of time and time again where what you do is you're aiming for that B gap but what happens is is the defense tries to close down on the back side there's this natural cutback that just opens if there's no corner or no kind of outside linebacker mm-hmm. there to fill and that was open a lot and, and you know kudos again you know, to the Notre Dame running backs for having the patience and the vision to see that where they're hitting these massive, massive, you know, uh, you know, kind of spurts of yards at once where, man, it, it was just, again, it was for me, obviously it wasn't, but it was a thing of beauty to see, you know, just a uh, big offensive line and run game playing that well. Eric, let's, let's start some controversy here. Um, you're an ESPN analyst who is a former <laughs> offensive lineman, one of whom just got hired as a head coach in the NFL yesterday. Will you be Clemson's next head coach if things continue to go south for the Tigers? Hey, if they want to pay me $100 million, I'll do whatever <laughs> they want. Whatever they want, baby. We can do it. How, how crazy is that? I'm happy for them and, and Big Jeff, but that's that's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Oh, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. I think, did they call I, Peyton Manning? Did Peyton get the call first and he said no? Or he's like, Coach, I got to do this Manning cast. I can't do it. Sorry. Saturday's not going to fix the quarterback play. Manning might. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was funny, like being down at the North Carolina Arabian Saturday was there. And I was like, no, it's just Saturday there. But I didn't really think, hey, that's the future head coach of the Indianapolis right, Colts Indy just hanging out in the uh, press box <laughs> at Keenan Stadium. It was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre to watch. Um, I, so the the vibe of the game, some a reader brought this up, and the parallels aren't perfect, but um, it was interesting when this was mentioned. The bring your own guts game for Clemson against Notre Dame in 2015. Um, Clemson was already way more established with Dabo at that point than Notre Dame is with Marcus Freeman. But in terms of just like a performance that gives you a foundation to really kick on and do something big, um, is do you think there's potential for that based on like what you saw from Notre Dame on Saturday? Not that like, look, they don't have Deshaun Watson. They have Drew Pine. It's not the same thing, but in terms of the program foundation and what Marcus is trying to get accomplished, it felt like, okay, this, this might be something we look back on in a few years and be like, ah, that's where kind of the, the tide turned. Yeah. I I don't think, you know, any question, especially with, 
know, how this thing started with losing to Marshall and then, you know, losing to sleepy Stanford at home, which I think was fall break. So maybe the environment was really yeah. weird. Um, and, and so when you look at that and it's like, okay, what do we as a team want to do? Like, what are we going to lay down, you know, just throw this season away? What, what are we going to do here? And, and for them to respond the way they have and, uh, you know, coaching, obviously a massive part of that. Absolutely. I mean, th- there will be key things along the way in his career where we can look back and say, there we go. That, that was certainly something that, that helped turn this thing around and, and get this program, you know, to places it hasn't been for quite some time. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy my Clemson Tigers could serve as that. I'm glad we're a part of potential history uh, here for you guys. But I, I think there's other things, obviously, like he's recruiting his tail off. Everybody knew that that was going to be a big piece. And, you know, even before, like the, the Stanford loss, probably the Marshall loss more so, where everybody's just overreacting, going crazy, you know, all these different things. And I'm just like, well, you know, let, let's let this settle out a little bit. Like, let's remember how good of a coach this guy really is. And certainly we're, we're seeing that kind of change. I, I love it. Again, for Notre Dame, I think he's an amazing man, an amazing coach, uh, and, and future really bright. And, and if you can get that, you know, superpower back to a consistent thing and winning some championships. I mean, look out. This could, this could be really fun. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's funny Pete brings that up because I, I I kept thinking back Saturday night to a quote that I think Jack Swarbrick gave Pete at Marcus Freeman's introductory press conference back last December, where he basically got asked. Pete could speak this better than I could, but you know what made you think that this was the personality and the type of program builder you need for Notre Dame right now? And he he mentioned Dabo Sweeney by name and, yep. and what um, he did at Clemson. Look, they're they're completely different human beings. Each is unique right. in his own way. But like, do you see some of that as far as the way Freeman's going to build this thing out here, it's going to become kind of its unique own, you know, it's going to be very emblematic, I guess, of the head coach from the top down, the way Clemson kind of is. Yeah, I think um, there, there, there are two very different ways, you know, to do it. And there's kind of the, the Alabama dictatorship. And then there's kind of the, the Clemson players coach, a, a guy that'll get on him, but ultimately he's going to do everything he can for those guys. And I certainly see that in, in, you know, coach Freeman and the things that he wants to instill in his program, the love, the excitement, the passion. I mean, obviously the, the world is so different, you know, with social media and we actually get to see that stuff where I'm sure Saban says very similar things or did back when he was building that thing, but we just, we didn't know, we, we didn't have insight to it. And we just see what we do on you know the sidelines when he's going nuts or, or doing this and that, you know, from practices. So to me, absolutely. I, I think there is parallel, uh, again, can't speak highly enough of him as a coach, as a person. And, you know, when he got that job, I mean, obviously the, the connections with Jordan and things of that nature, but we were all very, very excited for Notre Dame. 
What in terms of the the where Clemson is going? Because I, I think Notre Dame, you know, they fit in with the, the ACC. The Notre Dame's you know twenty seven and zero, and they're us twenty seven regular season ACC games. Like Clemson is what like thirty four and three or something. Like yeah. that's it's interesting, like how far they are separated from the rest of the league um, in a lot of ways. But like, do you? What's sort of the key to you for Clemson staying there? Because um, I, I think there's a lot of discourse right now about like, okay, is is Clemson ever going to get back to 2015, 16, 17, 18? And like, it, look, it, it's hard to be that good, right? Like, I think that it you don't get Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson like just every year automatically. Um, but like, for Clemson to sort of reestablish that level of superiority, like, what what do you think needs to change? first or what's the most important upgrade they need to make yeah and, and i hate to you know attack a singular thing or a singular position but it, it's quarterback and i don't think there's any question about that I, I think it's it's the most glaring thing it's the common denominator when you look at a lot of problems between last year this year and and when clemson hasn't been able to do you know what it wants at a, a super high level and, and for me again dj showed that he made improvements. He showed that he can be this type of guy, but then there's the reverting back. Then there's going backwards and, and doing the things differently where it seems and feels like everybody else has to be perfect for him to be successful. You you need a guy that's an eraser. You need a guy that can fix those problems instead of those exacerbating them and, and making it, you know, even worse and worse. And so for me, that that's the thing where, you know, Clemson gets back to having a mobile guy, a guy that can move around that's just not dead in the water when things go wrong, then, you know, you're you're looking at running that offense at a much higher pace. And and again, not saying that DJ can't do that. Just the past two times we've seen him, for whatever reason, it's almost like he forgot who he was and what he was doing. I mean, he legitimately was the second-best quarterback in the ACC, throwing the ball downfield, pushing it, running the ball really effectively. So I'm not sure what the heck happened uh, or how it happened, uh, but he, he's kind of lost his way a little bit here in a, a big week in front of him. You know, this Louisville team brings pressure that they're playing Saturday, and they're going to try to get after him. He, he's got to figure it out. It's funny you mentioned that because – we spent so much time in the lead up to this past week's game talking about, well, we all know how good DJ is, right? Notre Dame saw him crazy the passing yards record for an opponent. And yet to your earlier point about how simple it is with quarterback, uh, everything was the same. The second time those teams played, except Trevor Lawrence was there instead of DJ and Clemson ended that game 10 minutes in. Like it just, right. he was that good. And I hate to hold DJ to that bar, but it really is that simple sometimes uh, not to make this a, Overly negative Clemson uh, podcast, but how shocked were you that Jeff Scott didn't work out South Florida? Because that seemed like a home run hire at the time. Yeah, um, I, I, I'll be super honest. I didn't love that he took the job because I, I think jobs like that are, are just so hard. And, and I mean, Tony at Virginia, I mean, it's tough. It really is. When, when you have that success that you do at another school, there's almost like this, oh, yeah, right away. It's going to be instant. Uh, and, and so when you look at it and, and the things that he went through and, you know, trying to figure out what works best there, do, do I go straight the high school route and try to get those guys and develop them? Okay, that didn't really work. All right, this next year we're going to go to the portal and bring in so many different guys. Well, now I'm dealing with some character issues and this and that. And so it, it, it sucks. It's tough. Um you know, trying to figure it out and, and, you know, be these head coaching, you know, kind of figures and, and learning the way in this new world. It's great to see success when we do from guys, but yeah, I, I was shocked that uh, maybe it happened so quickly. Thought he'd have a little bit more time there, but 
We'll see. We'll see if he comes on back. Bring him home, baby. I'm sure it's an analyst role that we could fill right away. I'm sure he's making plenty of money from those guys. The receiver room has not been the same at Clemson since he left. I'll say that. Crazy. Yeah. Well, you're, Notre Dame would like to prohibit you from reaching out to Chancey Stuckey uh, if there's an opening in the receiver <laughs> Bring room. Bring him home, too. Come on. No, 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 no. no. I, I think he's I, he's... I think sort of getting into the, the cultural discussion, we had Grace Rainer on our show last week. I, I do think, you know, Matt referenced sort of the, the Dabo Marcus connect or not connection, but like sort of comparison that Jack Swarbrick mentioned up here. Like, um, is I don't know how well you knew Stucky at all, uh, when he was around Clemson, but just like his, his personality and like he just seems like a natural potential superstar in right. the coaching industry for a guy who's been doing it full time for two years. He just gets it. You know, he he understands that people are the most important thing. Relationships are the most important thing. And that, you know, if you can trust your guys and your guys can trust you, they're, they're just going to play, you know, so much harder for you. And I think obviously learning that from Dabo Sweeney and, and seeing that and then coming back and doing it from a staff perspective, um, you know, it, it's something that it's it's hard to understand if you're not around it. And so for me, I think just seeing him in an environment like Notre Dame is creating right now it's just awesome for him to be able to flourish. So absolutely agree with you, my man. What uh, Notre Dame's got BC in two weeks, uh, their final ACC game. See your reaction uh, that our listeners can't see. <laughs> what uh, Have you done any of their games yet this year? And whether you have or haven't, what uh, I know they've been injured. I know this was a bit of a bridge rebuilding year to begin with. But like, how did that ship sink so quickly? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I haven't called one of their games, but the studio work that we do, I mean, we cover them every week and that's a good and bad thing, um, but <laughs> a lot of injuries. I mean, the, the injury bug was really, really quick to affect them. They, they lost all five offensive linemen from a year ago. Then they lose, or excuse me, four of them. Then they lose their best one who was coming back in Christian Mahogany, lost two more guys. And it was just it was chaos. I mean, Phil Dracovic, who you guys know well, had no time to throw, had no time to process anything. They can't establish any type of running attack. And so it was just this avalanche of bad that just kept occurring. You know, Phil gets hurt now. They, they have a young guy coming in who looks you know, pretty good. He's a big dude. He's six foot six, like 240, has a really strong arm that you know, I think is obviously the future. Uh, Zay Flowers has been able to try and, and do enough. I mean, he's a really twitchy guy that – you know, they, they need to get him the ball even more. I know they've done it a ton, but hand it to him, snap it to him, throw it to him, whatever you got to do, he, he has to touch the football. And then just defensively, I think it's because of the overwhelming problems on offense where those guys are out there a lot. You know, it's three and out, go back out there, long drive, okay, three and out, go back. And, and it's just really just all these problems that have kind of hit them at the same time where – Look out. I mean, it could, it could get brutal quick, especially with the way the Notre Dame's playing right now, running the football, sustaining long drives. I mean, I can't imagine what that defense is going to be going through, you know, with the problems that they've had offensively. I don't know how much of Notre Dame you watch outside of Clemson, whether it be Syracuse or, or the North Carolina game is probably going to be applicable as North Carolina and Clemson probably meet up in Charlotte for the ACC championship. But just like from a personnel point of view, I was, I was interested sort of who you like on Notre Dame's roster, who's sort of like caught your attention a little bit, whether it be names or numbers. Yeah, well, I certainly think, um, you know, when you look at that running back room, I mean, it's kind of thunder and lightning there, you know, mm -hmm. with seven and 25. I mean, just the, the explosiveness that both can have, you know, at different times is is obviously impressive. Joe Alt, as everyone knows, is, is a very impressive prospect. I think he's going to be a guy that 
you know, just makes a ton of money. Um, it, it's been interesting to see, you know, Zay, you know, Falski really step up. You know, I think it was uh, maybe the North Carolina game where he kind of had his coming out party. I think people probably expected a little bit more from him uh, throughout this entire season. But, I mean, it's still evident to see the, the amount of talent uh, that, that he has. The speed of the linebackers, I think, is maybe one of the biggest differences that we've seen in Notre Dame over the last couple of years. I think the biggest critique, you know, for the Golden Domers was always, you know, when they got to those games where it was against Clemson or, or Alabama or Georgia or anybody of that nature, they were just slower and not explosive enough. That That's certainly not the case anymore. I mean, to see those guys get out in space and run has been very, very impressive to, to see there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, if you don't know who 20 is by now after watching Clemson, uh, I don't know what the heck you're watching. I mean, he, he played like a man possessed. I mean, all over the field, making all kinds of big-time plays. I don't know if he's been doing that all year, but uh, certainly a guy that just – Man, he had his moment and, and took absolute advantage of it. It's, we sit here now on November 8th, and I'm well aware this answer can change three weeks from now. Who would you say is your ACC Coach of the Year? Man, um, you know, it's interesting with this question. You know, it's always like the most deserving, the guy that, you know, did more with maybe what we didn't think. I, it's hard not to give it to Mike Elko. You right. know, just That's why I was excited. I mean, my gosh. I mean, that, that team that was just playing so bad. Um, he, he's probably my pick, but also Mac Brown. I mean, the fact that he's getting those guys to a championship um, and, and playing at such a high level, I know it's his quarterback's really freaking good, but just to, to be able to do that, he's got to go get them and uh, to take them from Bama was, was impressive. So I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be in North Carolina between those two. What uh, I was interested in your, your take on Drake May. Cause like when I saw him in person, I was like, damn like this guy is playing in the league and it you know for statistically that was like drew pine's best game and like you could you could look at the box scores and be like oh drew pine outplayed drake may but like the stuff that drake may does really really unique um what what separates him like why what is it about his game that really jumps off the, the tape for you yeah, I, I think if uh, Drake May could play UNC's defense, he he would throw for a thousand. <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome if he could do that. Unfortunately, he doesn't get to play those guys. Uh, you know, I think size, as you said, just kind of seeing him is mm -hmm. obviously a quick indicator. I mean, he's a big dude. He's about six five and some change. You know, two hundred plus pounds, probably two ten, two fifteen, uh, and a true. I mean, a, a redshirt freshman. I mean, he's so young and still has time to really you know develop. The, the hand talent is evident. The way that he can be rolling to his right, flick it back across the field, um, rolling left, throw it the other way. I mean, just seeing all of that, the arm angles that are very, you know, kind of Patrick Mahomish, Aaron Rodgers, the way that he can throw the football. Um, but the thing that you have to kind of study to see is just his decision making. I mean, when, when it's third or fourth down, when they're in the red zone, he always knows where to go with the football. Like he, he just finds it. If you want to heat him up, he's going to go right behind your head. He knows where to go with the football. If, if you're going to sit in the zone, he's going to stay patient and, and wait for it to uh, to un and develop and, and get a guy coming running free. And that to me is is what's so rare because you you see guys coming from high school that are younger that are playing for the first time that you know still kind of have this high school mindset of I can make any throw, I can fit it into any window and and almost be 
you know, too cavalier about it, where he lets that thing happen and kind of has answers. And, and to me, that's something you can't really coach. You know, it's something where you're in the film room like crazy and you know and you know have a good grasp of the offense of where to go with the football. And I think when you know Josh Downs got hurt uh and he had to throw it to other people, like he, he just had to get other people involved. That's where we really saw him start to unlock this offense because instead of staring down one target, I'm throwing to him no matter what because nobody can guard him. I have to let things under undergo. I have to let things you know really start to open up, and and that's where we're seeing him create. I mean, the the vision that he has, the things that he can anticipate, it's special, man. And I, I said he was going to be a first rounder after the first time I saw him. I think he's going to be the first pick, you know. And, and I don't know what he can get better at. Next year, just don't get hurt is is the biggest key because he has all the tools. On the subject of quarterbacks in that state, I was scanning your Twitter feed before you joined us, and you and MJ Morris were the dangerous back and place. Forth. Be careful. <laughs> it sure is. And uh, as we were recording this, I received a text unsolicited from someone you may or may not work with, who may or may not be a frequent guest on the show. That said, "Am I crazy to think Devin Leary might have to battle for the job if he comes back to NC State next year?" Yes or no? <laughs> you know what's funny? I, Crazy that we're even asking that, but like... Well, well I have a follow-up question to this. I want you, Eric, yeah. to pick the ACC quarterback that will be starting at Notre Dame as a grad transfer next year. <laughs> and Devin Leary is on that list. Brennan Armstrong, probably. Yeah, Brent, I got Tyler Ar- Ar- Armstrong, Hartman, Uyungle, or Leary. Who do you got? <laughs> Take your pick. Take your pick. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what's interesting, man? I... I love Devin Lear. I really do. As a person, as a football player, you know, I've been able to speak to him many, many times. And, you know, what what happened to him this year just sucks at the right. end of the you know, yeah. to, to have all this expectation to be ACC preseason player of the year, to have a dark horse chance at maybe making a playoff, you know, if you do this and that, you know, the right way. And then the the get into a game doesn't really perform great. Goes into week three, doesn't really perform great. Really, the Clemson game. I know it in a loss, he started turning around and he was making some throws where I was like, that's the guy. Like, where has this been, you know, for five weeks? And then, of course, the next week he gets hurt. And I'm just, you know, scratching your head, you know, just feel so bad for him. He has not checked out. He has not quit. He has not done anything. He has been an exceptional leader for this team right there in practice with MJ, with Jack, who was starting before that. You know, really just trying to be eyes, ears, you know, brains for them out there and telling them what he saw. Why why did you make that decision? Really being a coach on the field. With all that being said, MJ is emerging very quickly. He he is showing that he is ready to play right now. And so it is going to be a very interesting slash weird, you know, situation for NC State where it's kind of like, uh, we, we've got our guy. We're ready for the future here versus, you know, one more. So I'm glad I'm not Dave Doran. I'm glad I'm not Tim Beck and I'm not having to have those conversations or, you know, even Devin where, what do you do? Do, do you try to take your chance at the NFL, maybe get drafted and, and figure it out? Or do you stick it out, maybe battle for your spot or even transfer? It, it is a, it's a shitty situation. I'm sorry if I can't say that. Crappy situation <laughs> where, uh, you know, you, you don't want to be a part of it. You don't want to be a part of it. But by the way, just, just a quick follow-up as you're speaking, uh, email in my inbox from UNC Sports Information with the subject line, Drake May background info, which is like Heisman campaign. That's not really a Heisman campaign. <laughs> wink, wink. So they must be listening to us as you record. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what I, I'm interested in your take on Leary a little bit more. Like I did not watch a lot of NC State last sure. year. Yeah. What what is he best at? Like where did he sort of take the leap as a quarterback in 2021? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think just grit, you know, being a guy that's gonna stay in there, take a shot, 
you know, deliver the football where it needs to be. He was super accurate uh, decision makings. He, he never put the ball in a bad spot. Uh, and, and really, I, I think it's a kind of a combination of losing a Mecca Mezzi who, you know, they had such a great relationship on and off the field where he kind of knew, you know, if, if I'm in trouble, I'm throwing it up to a Mecca like he, he's going to come down with it. And so we just saw him, you know, really take you know control of this thing uh, and, and throw the ball at a very high clip without turning it over. And, and so when you see that and you're anticipating what year three is going to look like as a starter with his offense, man, we, we were thinking Kenny Pickett-like numbers where he's jumping up to a 4,000-yard passer, 40-yard touchdowns or 40 uh, touchdowns thrown, and, and that just didn't happen. And I don't know if it was expectation. I don't know if it was pressure, but early on, you know, this season, he, he just, you know, wasn't quite the same guy. And like I said, he, he did eventually figure it out. It's just very unfortunate the next game he got hurt. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I see a lot of what I believe is Duke's Mayo products over your shoulder in the background. Like a lot. Like I can't even count how many. Got some right here. Got a nice little cup. I know no one can see this, but you guys can. It's there. <laughs> What's is it? Uh, are you a brand ambassador for the bowl game? And, and who's going to be playing in it? We thought for a while Notre Dame would be in it, but it looks like they've played their way up above that. Yeah, you, you guys are, are – I don't even know what bowls what, – what bowl game are you guys it's going a to? Hol- it, it's a toss-up of among like holiday – in okay. San Diego, which they should definitely go to. Uh, Gator in Jacksonville. Uh, Cheese It, which they played in a couple of years ago when it was Camping World. And then yeah. uh, there's an off chance they could get into like what used to be the Outback Bowl. Now it's like the ReliaQuest Bowl. But uh, one of those one of those four. So I'm pushing hard for Holiday Bowl as the, they'll be the first ACC team to go because that's a new, uh, new bowl right. agreement. Yeah, last week, last year got canceled. Somebody didn't yeah. want to show up and play. Um, yeah, so I, I think why not? You know, go, go get one of those good ones. But yeah, so May- Mayo Ambassador, they, they actually are sponsoring our podcast coming in ah, December. So we try nice. to give them a ton of love, do a bunch of different things. I just did a big recipe with using some of their products last night. So it's uh, it's all love, man. If, if you guys have anybody, send them our way. <laughs> You could be the honorary, do the honorary coin toss at the game this yeah. year. Yeah, or, or we can dump mayo on somebody, whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> yeah. we, can, we won't hit them in the head, I promise you that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, And I guess maybe wrapping up, what will your favorite memories be of the Atlantic and the Coastal? Oh, man, favorite memories. Uh, the Coastal, I think, just being the craziest thing you've <laughs> ever seen. You never know what what's going to happen. You have your favorite, just blow it out of the water. Even this year, I mean, it was either Miami or Pitt. And, uh, yeah, nowhere close uh, to either of those. <laughs> On the Atlantic side, I, I think just seeing, you know, that battle between Florida State and Clemson, you know, and, and you know, my tenure kind of being a part of that team that kind of overtook uh, Florida State in that and, and to kind of put the stranglehold on the Atlantic there. I'm jacked up, though, man, for these new rules to have the two best teams play uh, in Charlotte for the ACC championship to give you know the ACC its best crack at, at getting 
you know, a playoff team. And maybe like we saw when you guys wanted to play, maybe two of them. So <laughs> what, uh, yeah. Should we, should we have a addendum to the rules where if Notre Dame is ranked higher than the second place <laughs> ACC team, actually Notre Dame will go to the ACC well, championship. I, 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 I game. It's good that for ratings. Be, like That would be perfect. I'm I got a better in. one. If it's two undefeated ACC teams, each with one non-conference loss convincingly <laughs> to Notre Dame, as it probably will be with Carolina and Notre Dame. All right. And then Clemson, then yeah, the Irish get the bid, but you know what? The 2020 ACC Coach of the Year had a pretty nice win down in LSU last year. I will say uh, last right. week, and I will say that. What are y'all's thoughts on that? I mean, the ultimate CEO goes down to freaking the state of football and uh, just takes over. What's up? Yeah, it was I, uh, a, a program that was described to us by some people at Notre Dame as like it used to be run by a former professional wrestler. Um, and Brian Kelly that, is the is anything but a professional wrestler. So he's the manager. Was, he's uh he's the pallbearer coming in with. I gotta say, yeah. like the i the idea of what would have happened if Notre Dame had lost to Clemson and Brian Kelly had beaten Alabama on the same night would have been really tough. That would have been a tough watch for a lot of Notre Dame fans. Like that's to me that is how good Notre Dame played on Saturday night. It was such yeah. a impactful game. The, the fact that Brian Kelly beat Nick Saban like didn't even register care. with people. No one cared. No one cared. Yeah. No, it was uh again. Was, I'm I, glad we could do that for you guys. You're yeah. <laughs> God, just there's such like mutual respect. Like this is uh, it's such a good like rivalry. They're both when helping do you guys each come other to out. Death Valley. When does that happen? I'm tired of going to freaking South. Uh, next, next year. Next year, it perfect. And, and I think it's Eight like a November game, so it's out of. Uh, I think it's out of hurricane season too. So hopefully yeah. the weather will be better. Oh no, hurricanes! That's our favorite to play. Can I actually see Clemson's campus for the first time? since I was just like <laughs> huddling under an umbrella from the car to the stadium and back. That was it. I saw nothing. And you played in that yeah, last time Pete was there. I think, Eric, you were playing, right? 2015? Yep, that was my senior year. Senior year. Yeah, I can confirm it only rained when Notre Dame had the ball. That's what I <laughs> it, uh, Yeah, the, an- another game where Notre Dame lost its starting quarterback in week two and had to roll with a backup, but that yeah. backup having to be six foot four and 230 pounds, not five <laughs> not foot bad. 10 and 190. So kind of, kind of a different story that, but yeah, that's, I, I am already looking forward to getting back down there. Cause I just, I just don't feel like I got the Clemson experience. Um, yeah. You know, it's like I was hung out in Greenville on Friday night, went up to Clemson on Saturday with the expectations of walking campus for a couple hours. And I got absolutely nothing. So that's, yeah, that was an awesome advice. I do think like, I gotta say this, like before we get out like the, f- Clemson does like field storming, obviously, all the time, which I think right. a lot of Notre Dame fans didn't realize when it was happening. And they're like, right. wait a minute, they do this all the time. <laughs> I would say, like, for the most part, the field storming on Saturday night was like fairly respectful. Like, I there there was a definitely some double birds being flipped uh based on some photos I saw on social media. But overall, I feel like Notre Dame and Clemson, like it's kind of like this good, respectful rivalry. Like it doesn't yeah. have a lot of like animosity behind sure. it. Sure, we just like playing each other. We just like yeah. playing each other. That's all it is. <laughs> I think we'll let you get out there yeah. uh, on that note. Appreciate the time, <laughs> Eric. Uh, we'll we'll try to we'll try to time it a little bit better. Ahead of, let's do it before <laughs> next year's game. We That'd be great. Yeah, it. before. Let's do it before. Yeah. So if we if we, if we schedule out. you for oh, Tuesday God. after the game, you'd be like, oh, damn it. Like, what do oh, they nice. know that I don't know? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I will say, I, I want to mention, we were at, I think, the 35-minute mark now. Um, I'm doing this from a hotel room. Last time I tried to do a podcast from a hotel room, Eric, I think you were playing, and I was at ESPN with me and David Hale, and my internet completely went out. 
and it turned into you and da- you and David talking about your beards the whole time, which I'm sure was fun. But how it should I was, be. How it I was be. unable to be a part of that. I'm glad we got to the finish line with this one, and hope we can do it again soon. No All right. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. We'll definitely have you on next year when it's uh, Devin Lurie versus Keg Klubnik as the quarterback <laughs> battle. It should be a fun, uh, fun <laughs> podcast conversation. So on that note, we're out of here. Eric, Matt, I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of The Shamrock.